In this episode, we'll learn about five of the false gods of Israel's neighbors in the Promised Land and what they might mean for us. Spoiler alert, it's time to repent. Welcome to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck White. Please join me on an adventurous search for the true, the good, and the beautiful. If you listen to at least a few of the episodes of this podcast, you know that we've been following the Israelites through the wilderness and into the Promised Land. We now find ourselves at the beginning of the Book of Judges, where we read, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. That's in the 10th chapter of the book of Judges. Who were these false gods, and what attracted the Israelites to them? Much of what we now know about them we learn from the ruins of Ugarit, an ancient port city on the coast of what is now Syria, north of Lebanon. Ugarit, often called Ras Shamra, was founded about 1900 BC and flourished between 1450 to 1200 BC. Its ruins were discovered in 1928 and the discoveries included clay tablets with many stories of the gods of that time and area. The first god we'll consider is one that is mentioned most often in the Old Testament, Baal. He was said to be the son of the supreme Canaanite deity, El. Like many of the gods we'll discuss today, Baal was a fertility deity whose name meant owner or lord. Baal was believed to control the reproductive powers of nature, and so was linked to sexual indulgence. In Babylonia, he was called Bel, the god of thunderstorms. The plural form of Baal's name, Baalim, referred to gods in general. In chapter 18 of the first book of Kings, we read the gripping story of Elijah facing down 450 prophets of Baal. Baal was worshipped in different forms and under a variety of titles in different places. Maybe you remember the demon Beelzebul, mentioned by Jesus in the 11th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. The name Beelzebul was most likely derived from the word Baal and another word meaning prince. In the first chapter of the second book of Kings, the name of this god seems to have been deliberately and derisively distorted to Beelzebub, or Baalzebub, the Baal of Flies, or Lord of the Flies. In the first book of Kings, chapter 15, we read of the good Israelite king Asa, who removed an image of Asherah set up by his mother. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David his father had done, he put away the male cult prostitutes out of the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. He also removed Micah, his mother, from being queen mother because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. And Asa cut down her image and burned it at the brook Kidron. 
Asherah was said to be the wife of El and was associated with sacred trees or carved wood poles. She was the goddess of happiness and good fortune. Ashtoreth was originally a Phoenician goddess named Ishtar in Babylonia. She was the goddess of fertility and sexual love and a consort of Baal. Her name in Hebrew is thought to have been derived from a conflation of her Canaanite name, Astarte, with the Hebrew word for shame, Boseth, a sign of derision which prevented godly Israelites from having to say the actual name of a pagan deity out loud. The sacred authors of the Old Testament used the plural form of this name, Ashtaroth, to indicate the goddesses of Canaan in general. King Solomon, who as a young man asked God for an understanding heart, worshipped Ashtoreth as an old man. We read in the first book of Kings, chapter 11, quote, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. End quote. In the seventh chapter of the book of Jeremiah, we read, Quote, Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. End quote. The queen of heaven was a name given to Ashtoreth in Mesopotamia. The cakes offered to her were probably in the form of a nude woman. The fertility rites associated with some of these gods included ritual prostitution, because we read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, quote, There shall be no cult prostitute of the daughters of Israel, neither shall there be a cult prostitute of the sons of Israel. End quote. Another god was Dagon, an agricultural god, that is, a god of crop fertility. He was worshipped by the Philistines. The worship of Dagon has been traced back to the 25th century BC in Mesopotamia. Some believe that the Hebrew word for grain, Dagon, was derived from the name of this god. In the book of Judges, Samson brings the roof of the temple of Dagon down upon 3,000 Philistines. We read in the first book of Samuel that when the Philistines captured the ark, they brought it to the temple of Dagon at Ashdod. This temple was destroyed by the Jewish hero Jonathan in Maccabean times. We can read about that in 1 Maccabees chapter 10. Lastly, Molech was a god who was worshipped with child sacrifice, specifically by passing the children through fire. Mosaic law forbid this which we can see in the 20th chapter of the book of Leviticus. Quote, Say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. End quote. It is thought that Molech's name in Hebrew derives from the word for king, Melech, 
combined with the vowels of the Hebrew word for shame, boseph, in a manner similar to that of ashtoreth, which was mentioned earlier. Even the wise King Solomon fell under the spell of Molech, as we see in the first book of Kings, chapter 11. Quote, then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. End quote. We read in the 32nd chapter of the book of Jeremiah, quote, They set up their abominations in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They built the high place of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech, though I did not command them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. End quote. These places were eventually dismantled by the upright king Josiah. And we can read about that in the second book of Kings, chapter 23. Quote, and he defiled Dophpeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or daughter as an offering to Molech. End quote. We know that the valley of the son of Hinnom, by its more familiar name, Gehenna, mentioned by Jesus in the Gospels. What does this mean for us? There are several reasons why the stories of Israel's idolatrous infidelity should move us. First, we all have idols, that is, things that usurp the proper place of God in our lives. Second, we are like the idolatrous people of Israel and their pagan neighbors in several ways. We, too, are concerned about controlling the powers of nature to our benefit. We, too, are inclined to sexual indulgence free from any moral law. They sometimes offer their babies to Molech while we kill our babies in the womb. But we differ from the ancients in damning ways, too. They at least had a notion of a transcendent divine power that controlled nature. We, on the other hand, are growing more atheistic as the years roll on, replacing the divine with ourselves. Israel and the pagans surrounding them prized fertility, notwithstanding the sacrifices to Molech. We, on the other hand, treat fertility like a disease. The Jewish Midrash asserts that the pagan priests played drums loudly to drown out the wails of the mothers and the screams of the babies while the babies were being sacrificed to Molech. In our culture, Hollywood celebrities and feminists celebrate the killing of the unborn. There's no better time than now to repent of the idolatry in our own lives and in our society. In the next episode, we'll use what we discussed in this episode as a basis for talking about the jealousy of God, a consistent Old Testament theme. Until then, God bless. You've been listening to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. Come back soon.